If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's check in now with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. We are talking spending, and I know you've written extensively about this and about how much money the government had to spend and billions of dollars. Where are we now with the spending in that list? Yeah, the government yesterday closed the books on a year of spending the likes of which I have never seen. And I've been covering politics for 15 years now. Uh, Basically, this was, if you remember back last year, we enjoyed this incredible rebound as the economy was roaring back from the pandemic. And Premier David Eby took power in November and discovered he was sitting on this like Scrooge McDuck Mm. style kind of gold silo of money. Uh, and he started spending it. And the fiscal year ended uh, March 31st of, of this year. And we were sort of waiting to see, you know, like, well, how much was it actually? And it ended up being $8 billion that the premier got to spend essentially between kind of pretty much like December and the end of March. And the list in public accounts, we sort of, we kind of knew it was the government was going through it at the time, but to put it all together, you know, we had the $500 million uh, to keep BC ferries fares from spiking through the roof. We had that billion dollars that municipalities could just spend on whatever they wanted, like we've never <laughs> seen before. Here's a billion dollars, <laughs> municipalities, spend whatever you want. Um, we had a billion and a half for those tax credits. You remember there was like a 400-ish kind of check for a single person uh, on the climate action tax credit, and 164 for the affordability tax credit. They kind of they came through the feds, um, uh, so you, that's how you saw them. There was like um, you know 150 million for the Cancer Foundation and 45 million for public libraries, and it, the list kind of goes on and on. Um, it is an enormous amount of money, and I think the question that came yesterday as we sort of looked at this is, did it work? You know, the idea was to make people feel like the government was responding, uh, helping out after the, the pandemic as the you know economy was kind of coming back, but people were being stretched, gas prices were up, uh, all the things that we're experiencing now on, on interest rates and affordability. Um, we will never, uh, you know, probably <laughs> unless something crazy happens, see that again uh, from a provincial government. That much money spent that quickly. And the question for the premier is, do people feel like they just were warm and fuzzy from the provincial government on all this money that came out the door? And did it produce visible results in areas, you know, that that uh, the premier has promised? I'm not I'm not sure the answer is yes, but it's certainly uh, quite a list that we got to see uh, for the first time yesterday. And uh, did you did you mention this one, uh, the bailout of BC Ferries? There were there were millions mm-hmm. of dollars given to BC Ferries. That was the one that kind of stuck out to me when you asked that question. Is anybody feeling better off? Or are you seeing the benefits of this? And I, I think if you were going to ask people specifically who ride the ferries, maybe not. You might not be seeing any direct benefit from that money. No, I mean, well, you know, it's kind of a, a kick in the pants when it comes to BC ferries because the service has been so poor. But that money kept your 
ticket fare from going up 10%. Uh, and now it's predicted it'll only go up 3%. So in addition to crummy service, you might have also got a gigantic uh, increase in the price you pay to BC ferries. And that money prevented or is supposed to prevent that from happening. So, you know, it could have been worse, I guess, if you, you can imagine that for BC ferries. But you put all this kind of money together and the opposition is certainly saying like, well, look, you know, there are entire sectors uh, of people who are are struggling uh, mightily right now, including seniors. And they're looking at that and wondering, where did that $8 billion really go? Like, what what good was it? And that continues to be part of the issue that the premier faces because he promised visible results when he became premier in crime, in healthcare, uh, in affordability, in climate change and things like that. He, he wants people to be able to see and feel the progress. Um, I'm not sure that that we see much of that uh, from this money that was spent. And, you know, you, you, that that is really sort of the ballot box question he's he's set up for himself. Uh, as we approach next year's uh, election. So anyways, it's an interesting uh, public account, as we call it here. It showed a surplus, very small surplus, 700-ish million dollars, uh, in, in kind of a funny bit of government um, sleight of hand. They uh, The NDP patted itself on the back yesterday for saying, well, we've paid off what was the deficits we ran during COVID. You remember the government went into the red mm -hmm. for several years. We've paid that off. It's called the operating debt. We've paid that off, yay to us. But when you look at the debt for the province, it's a bit, the, they actually added to the debt at the same time. So the amount that came down and then the amount that came up washed each other out. It's a little bit like you pay off your new TV on your credit card, but then you also spend a bunch of new stuff on your credit card and you get the bill and you're like, wait a second, the balance is still the same. So the debt is still the same, even though we paid like $7 billion off to cover those COVID deficits, which is, um, you know, classic government accounting. And then the other thing that stood out for me, ICBC, um, you know, not quite a dumpster fire again, but it has tanked. Its investment income is down a couple billion dollars. It's now back into a deficit position. And I just can't help but remind people that, you know, it was not that long ago. It was uh, September of last year um, that we were talking about whether ICBC could afford to give everyone those $110 rebates from last spring. And the government said, we can because they're in a fantastic financial position due to the good financial management of the province. We can dump $400 million out of ICBC and into your pockets. Well, now we are back in a gigantic deficit for ICBC. Not gigantic, but it is a deficit. And, and I think that's another question we have there of is this government just playing the same political games that the previous government played? You milk ICBC like a golden cow for, uh, you know, feel-good rebates every time. It looks like it's making money. You never give it enough room to breathe and, you know, stockpile any money and boom, it, it ends up in deficit again. And I think that's a question that the government is going to have to keep an eye on as well. Right. Because and, and that's where when you're talking about are people seeing things that are better or feeling better, a check in hand or a check going into your bank account is something that that you see and you can you have it right there in front of you. Whereas the other one, the, the millions go spend it to however you want. Nobody actually sees that or is going to think about that. It's a continual challenge for government to give people either cash or rebates. It costs an enormous amount, right? Like that, just that $100 
kind of rebate from ICBC cost $400 million. So anytime you give everyone in the province money, uh, you end up spending just billions of dollars. So the governments default to these little credits, right? Tax credit here and affordability credit there. And they're mostly income tested. And they're most like the climate action tax credit that you might have got 400-ish dollars on was only really if you made under $61,000. And so the government defaults to this kind of, you know, if we're going to spend that much money, we need to target the people who need it the most. And then that means that what we would consider to be a lot of us, uh, middle class, uh, who maybe make more than $61,000 but are struggling all over the place with grocery prices and rents and interest rates, we don't get the same level of assistance. And that that is a problem the New Democrats have wrestled with as well, is their obsession you know, with targeting, I guess for good reason, lower income people, but not recognizing that um, there are middle income people who are struggling, who voted New Democrat, who are urban voters in Metro Vancouver, who would like some help and find themselves sometimes looking from a distance at what the government is doing because they don't qualify on paper. And that is a, a perpetual issue for this NDP government as I watch them income test a, a lot of their aid. All right, Rob, let's uh, pause there. Well, I think we're probably very well protected against serious disease. Most British Columbians have received three shots. Most British Columbians have had COVID, which creates this hybrid immunity that is even more protective. But uh, this uh, will wear off over time, and it'll be particularly important to build on this with the new Omicron-based XBB vaccine when it does come out uh, shortly. That was Dr. Brian Conway, medical director with the Vancouver Infectious Diseases Centre. And Rob, I was playing that clip because he was asked about the new variant of COVID that has been that has arrived and the government's response and what we might expect moving forward. Yeah, well, Dr. Conway, they're talking about the the latest booster that you can expect to see in BC in, in late September, according to Dr. Bonnie Henry, because uh, there is concern about a new variant of COVID. It's called BA 2.86, which rolls off the tongue. Um, but it essentially has been identified as, as one to watch by the World Health Organization because it's highly mutated, has more than 30 mutations in its spike protein. So the fear is that people's antibodies from previous COVID infections and vaccines might not as easily recognize or fight this variant. Uh, and that it might make symptoms more severe, put more people in the hospital. That has not happened yet. There are some cases in the United States. Um, this was the first one that BC uh, disclosed uh, earlier this week in all of Canada, uh, someone in the Fraser Health region, and worry you know, that it could become, much like Omicron, the sort of dominant strain. There, you know, I, I think people will, may ask, uh, are we heading back to some type of um, vaccine, um, you know, mask mandate or something that we went through in COVID. No, that Dr. Henry has been making the round saying that's not where we're going. Uh, again, where this is just something for people to be aware of as we enter into the flu season and the, you know, obviously the, uh, the, va- the vaccine and flu uh, and COVID vaccine campaign that the government is going to unveil later uh, this month. So, a variant of concern and a variant to watch, but um, not something that the government is preparing to sort of, you 
know, begin to ramp up those COVID uh, rules and restrictions that we saw in the past. Right. And and Dr. Conway also went into it, not in that clip there, but talked about kind of what you just said, too, and that, yes, it's a, a variant. But he also said this is the natural way that a virus mutates and we are we're expecting this, but not not stronger, probably. And like you said, not seeing people that are going into hospital or hospital rates. But uh, I, I do find that here we are uh, last day of August 2023. And even just saying uh, mask mandate or, or raising the question, there are going to be people who will be furious that we're still talking about that. So we're talking about booster shots. But I would hope we're at the stage where, again, it could be a personal choice. If you want to get another shot, if you want to wear a mask, go for it, do it, but not looking to government to bring in these mandates. Yeah, I think that's where Dr. Henry is as well. Um, there is a question that is going to come up, I think, in the next uh, few weeks as government prepares its its vaccine, flu and COVID vaccine campaign for this fall about mandatory vaccination. And that still exists within um, the healthcare sector for nurses. And the government is considering what to do about that. We're the only province that still requires that outside of Nova Scotia, which does it differently. There's somewhere around 680 uh, nurses that were fired uh, from their jobs who are in the grievance process uh, right now with the BC Nurses Union. There are a few options for government here. They could continue the mandatory vaccination requirement, which is a provincial health order. They could change the order, essentially drop it and turn it into a cabinet regulation, which would be a political decision by the health minister and the government, um, or they could drop it. And I think those options, all three options are being talked about by government right now. Uh, we know that the healthcare system could use the nurses. We know our province has been um, out, a kind of an outlier in the way that we are dealing with that at this point in this part of, of the journey that we're on with COVID. And lots of people, especially in rural communities, are asking for that to be lifted so those nurses can come back. But it's not something Dr. Henry or Health Minister Adrian Dix has has been supportive of until I think that that kind of discussion is happening in government right now. And, and we might be able, we might be seeing something on that in the next few weeks. It is a, an interesting one when you look at that, that BC is the only province. And I know Dr. Henry early, early on in the pandemic said she didn't have a lot of time for healthcare workers who didn't get vaccinated. And she was talking, I think, about all vaccines, not just COVID. But it does seem strange, doesn't it, that BC is the only holdout as far as making this a requirement when we need healthcare workers? Well, it's, it's even more strange as time goes by, right? To be, because to be considered fully vaccinated for this requirement, you needed the original shot and, and the booster. Uh, but we're now at the point where you may have got your third shot or your fourth shot. Uh, and so the idea of being fully vaccinated under the provincial health order doesn't really re reflect reality, I don't think. Uh, and so that, that question as time goes on, what we consider mandatory vaccination or what we consider to be vaccinated uh, changes. And the government looks a little bit uh, out of step, I think. So it, it look like there are a lot of opinions about this and uh, how the, our province has become basically the only one in Canada to continue to hold this line. Uh, and I think it, it, there'll be some legitimate questions when we get the sort of vaccine strategy for the flu and COVID in the weeks ahead and why BC is or isn't continuing to do this. Rob, thank you so much. And we will talk with you again tomorrow. Okay, take care. <laughs>